0: This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy! I don't want to get on the bandwagon I'll burn that wagon down and join the band Traveling troubadours, terrorizing street corners Just to try to get some supper in our hands now i waited all my life to get this on my chest green buddy murderer. until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin. fast pass to
1: Pfizer. good patience, now he'll
2: take it in, oh, that's the camper in this
0: game, and a to- With the fourth pick in the 2000 NBA draft, the Chicago Bulls select Marcus Pfizer from Iowa State University.
3: Hello and welcome to another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society and brought to you by Dead Barbecue Sauce. You can go ahead and check them out on the web at deadeyebbq.com. And please find us at thetailgatesociety.com. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening? We're doing all right. We're doing all right. The
4: snow's melted. There's no more snow around here. It's getting warmer. Spring break's coming. Although the last time we had a spring break, the kids never left. So I'm not so sure I'm super excited about
3: that. (laughs) No, I, I hear that. I hear that. Uh, yeah, no, we, we're not all the way done with snow up here in Minnesota, but we're close. It's enough where I was getting outside without a coat and that was plenty good. I plan on grilling out tomorrow. So I'm excited about that, but you know what, man, I'm really, really, really excited to talk to our guest this evening. Uh, but Chris, I don't want to take this away from you. I want you to go ahead and introduce who our guest is.
4: Well, tonight we have a former Iowa state basketball legend, former, uh, Lottery draft pick of the Chicago Bulls, the one, the only, Marcus Pfizer. Marcus, thanks for hopping on with us tonight.
2: No problem. Thank you guys for having me.
4: We are super excited to have you on. As you can tell, we're called Old Man Strength simply because we're <laughs> old and we have no strength.
1: <laughs> so
4: we try to bring on people that are the exact opposite of us. <laughs> and so thanks again for coming on.
2: How are you thanks doing? Thanks again. I'm doing well, um, you know. Just all things considering, you know, what we've been dealing with as as a um, nation, and I guess you just saw as, as the whole planet Earth for the last twelve months or so uh, with COVID and everything like that. Um, you know, all things considering, you know, just chugging along, um, trying to make sure that the kids and everyone stay as safe as possible, and you know, going from there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It has been uh, certainly a whirlwind. I know my daughter has been in and out and in and out of school here in Minnesota Mm -hmm. back and forth. It has not been anything that has been uh, easy on her. Um, What I know you've got uh, a son. What do you have for kids? I have me and my wife.
2: We have uh, four children. Right now, that's actually in school. Well, our oldest son um, plays basketball at Fresno Pacific. He's a senior there. And then uh, um, Marcus Jr., he's a um, sophomore in high school. And then we have a 12-year-old that's in the seventh grade. Her name is Kaimila. And then we have a five-year-old named London. Um, They all are in school. Um, Unfortunately, this entire year for Nevada, uh, no kids have been in school. So we have – you know, three kids that are in, you know, school here on the outside of our uh, oldest son that's in college, but we have three kids here that are, you know, all going to different schools and everyone is homeschooling. So our Wi-Fi bill is pretty high right now. <laughs> Everything is all Zoom, Not um, like literally, I mean, around the 14th or the 15th of the month that, you know, we're getting the... Uh, the whole faithful text message telling us that we're right at 100% of all of the gigabytes, you know, it's just something that we just have to do at the moment right now. Just keep pushing through it.
4: Yeah. I think I was home working, uh, when it all went to hell, everybody mm-hmm. was home. My oldest daughter or uh, my oldest daughter was, was living at home. My second daughter, uh, who is now a junior at Iowa state, she mm-hmm. came home and then I had, uh, two, uh, twin boys that are, uh, that were juniors so everybody's working from home i got to go into the office they had closed the office down but i was able to go into the office for a little bit i was more socially distanced in my office when there's nobody else except for the six people in my house but <laughs> i started working from home and then i, I I, I none of my stuff stopped stopped working. I couldn't figure it out, and I looked over, and one of my boys was downloading some Fortnite update for thirty six gigs worth of data, and I was like, "Dude, <laughs> can you right. do that the, the day? I'm
2: trying to work." Right, so, and that's how I always going here. Um, you know, they have they have breaks in between different subjects and things like that. So as soon as they're closing the laptops, you know, they're trying to get something to eat, and then somebody else is jumping on the iPad. Our uh, five-year-old is is definitely jumping on our iPad to get up. She she runs YouTube better than the other kids, and um, but I mean, it, it's just something that we just got to do to you know try to uh, keep everything uh, sane around here and just just hope for the best. You know, hopefully things get better a, a lot sooner than later.
4: Absolutely. So, what are you doing now, Marcus? What are you doing now?
2: Um, I got a couple of different things that that we're currently doing. Uh, we own a, uh, we just me and my wife just bought a uh, slip and fall slip and fall prevention company. Um, that you know, we're trying to make the flooring uh, safer for all businesses and you know things like uh, arenas, uh, nursing homes, retirement homes, places like that, grocery stores, anywhere that you can think of that you see a slip and fall sign. Uh, is is our next market. Um, so we just wanted to get into something to, you know, pro- provide a service. Um, I coach my son's high school basketball team. One of the, one of the coaches are there with the uh, high school basketball team and the club team. And just – it's a lot of different hats that we do, man. Just, you know, coming and going, coming and going. The, the best thing I probably do is, is put gas in my car. So, I'm
1: uh,
2: just <laughs> – just trying, to, like I said, just trying to be sane with it all. Um, make sure that everything is going well with the family and the kids. And um, while while getting older, just trying not to, you know, sit around not doing anything. Um, try not to be stagnant in life about nothing.
3: So you mentioned coaching. Uh, how is youth sports different, you know, either from when you were – when you mm-hmm. were involved or even just now being on the oh, other side, what you're seeing.
2: It's different now. I mean, cause you know, social media, um, the internet made things move, to, move a lot faster. You know, um, it, people are so caught up on rankings and things like that, that that's, that's the one thing that's driving, um, you know, the youth. And there's a lot of things that has been lacking, in terms of development because kids are only worried about their rankings and things like that. But, you know, when you try to get the ones to understand that that is, that is cool and all, that's fine. But, you know, um, not every McDonald All-American make it, make it to the NBA. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, You know, not every McDonald All-American even makes, makes it to be a pro athlete. You you never know what's going to happen. So, it's just something that you know we try to keep our kids focused on, you know, just winning ball games and developing as a player. That's my passion. Like I, you know, I'm not the head coach, you know, mm-hmm. on the high school team or on the uh, club ball team. You know, I'm just a coach that they know is going to come in and bring the development and and try to get you to play basketball the right way. You know, I'm never too high about nothing. I'm never too down about nothing. I I just focus on what I got to focus on. And I like watching, you know, good games. You know, we don't have to win every game. We damn sure not going to lose every game, but we don't have to win every game. I totally understand that. Um, But I, 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 being able to compete and knowing that you're competing is something that that's more important to me because um, you, you're going to live to see the next day and, you know the next game and capitalize on the things that you made mistakes from uh, the the game previous and go from there.
3: Yeah, certainly. Uh, watching l- losing every game has not been a whole lot of fun this year. No, 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 no. Has that been no, hard no, no, for no. you,
4: Marcus? To to watch that it, it has to be hard for I, uh, I, hard for me as a fan who who lives and dies with 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 that team and, and, and that university, it has to be mm-hmm. hard for, for you, too.
2: It's, it's extremely hard. Um,
1: it it kind of went
2: fast. It went, it went faster than I expected. And then, you know, it's, it's that that snowball effect where it's just rolling and rolling and rolling. And and at any rate, if the kids weren't, you know, competing, then, you know, you, you'd be able to say, well, they just, you know, giving up and things like that. You know, Big 12 is tough. I don't think people understand how, how tough the Big 12 is, um, and and being able to have some kind of success in that in that league, you going to take a lot. Um, asking if I foreseen as not winning a ball game in the conference, I, I I never saw that I never saw that happening. But at the same time, um, you know, I try to catch every game that I can. Um, the ones that I don't catch, you know, I it's because I'm doing something coaching something and somebody has spoiled it. I, I record all of them. And you know, someone is always telling me, you know, did you see the game? Or, man, I will stay lost again or whatever. And I'm like, thanks a lot. I was gonna watch you when I got home.
1: <laughs> but I still I still
2: sometimes I still get I still sometimes get home and I and I still watch it. You know, I watch it like, you know, I I don't know what's going on. Uh because I I just want to understand, you know, um how the guys play, you know, how are they being receptive? Are they are they hustling? Are they being as tough as we've we've known? Um, you know the Iowa State teams to beat, and and at any rate, with everything that's going on with COVID, has been tough. You know that yeah. um, you you can say, you know, with one kid is feeling over the other. Uh, Marcus Junior caught COVID last summer, and he missed you know, two or three weeks. And he's still having some residual effects from it that we happen to watch him and everything like that. So I don't know what these kids may be going through if any of them that contracted the virus during the time of, of the last season. But um, it, it's been really tough. It's been really tough. But, you know, we're definitely diehard fans to the end. And um, you know, we see what happens.
4: Yeah, I, I, I've always wondered as a fan, I've skirted that line of being so critical of, I mean, cause clearly if you look at me, I couldn't, I couldn't play five minutes of <laughs> but that's that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, but as a fan, does it, is it fair for me to be critical of certain things or whatever, but still be supportive of the players, right? Like I always worry about making comments or whatever. It's never, I think it's more frustration of a fan that I'm. Right. I'm sad that, that that it's not better for them. It's not ever a criticism of the players, right? Because they're 18 right. and 19 year old kids. Right. And for me, as a as a 50 to live and die over the results of that one, they're, they they care way more about it than I do. I mean, there's no doubt. So I've always wondered, from your guys' perspective, how do you, how do you view that from a fan's perspective? Do you do you look past that and know that hey, we just care about? the status of the team and you guys, and we understand your frustration, or does that sometimes bother you when we're in a season like this and there's a lot of criticism going along?
2: Um, a little bit of both. You know, I look at it as, you know, being a fan of of, of the sport, period. You know, I'm, I'm just not a fan of Iowa State athletics or basketball. You know, I love women's sports. I love all sports. Uh, bat, football to this day still is my favorite sport. You know, I will sit down and watch a football game before I watch a basketball game. Um, It's my first love, first sport I ever played. And uh, just somehow, you know, basketball got in my hands and everything else is history. Um, But um, when when we're going through a situation like this, you know, you just try to be as supportive as as you can. But, you know, everyone is going to feel differently about um, what they they think should be happening. Everyone has opinions. You know, that. Story that goes behind that. <laughs> Everybody has opinions, but um, y- you know, some are going to take it a little bit overboard. Some are not. Um, you know, some are going to say, you know, you should support the team no matter what. Just because you're being critical, constructive criticism it, it isn't isn't not isn't you you not supporting the team. It's just you know being frustrated and trying to understand because you want better for them. You want better for the coaching staff. You want better for the organization. You want better for the team. You want better for the uh, the school as a whole, um, especially with with the season our football team at. You know, we 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 want to win on all levels. So, um, is is this something that I try to not show as much frustration um, and, and try to have a little bit more understanding? But at the same time, you know, as an ex player, you know, you 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 thinking to yourself, what what. What would I do in that situation? Um, you know, what would I do in that situation? You know, I probably would have got a flag the foul then because I would
1: have
2: slammed, <laughs> you know, Chris <christened> William <laughs> to the floor. I mean, something to something to, to break to break the street. That's one of the things that right. I like I, I have a six seven big on, on my team now that plays with Noah Marcus Jr. in the same class. He's six seven, six eight. And, and I challenge him every time. I said, you know, when you go out there, just I, I said it was at least one time a game I was slamming my defender to the floor. I know I was going to either get an offensive foul or the referee's going to tell me how we can play. Now, <laughs> I, I didn't care about him getting mad. He, he wasn't going to beat me up. So I, I'm i going to gauge and see what they let, let me get away with. And if it's offensive foul, i just walk on the other end. That's what I needed to see. And I challenged him. I said, just do that. You know, just run somebody over in the post you know, slam them down like you're going to the rebound and act like you don't understand what's going on. Try to do something to – because once you do that, now everybody else see that you're ready to play, and now that may change the dynamic of the game a little bit. So maybe we need to see a little bit more of of that. Um, Who knows? You know, who knows? I I just want to see a win at this point.
3: Well, you you brought up with that style of play, and you mentioned Chris Mim. I think we can't – have you on without talking about one of if not the most iconic dunks of all time? Mm-hmm. I I don't think sometimes when I try to talk to people that are younger about it, I don't think they understand uh, what a player Chris MIM was, what an iconic shot blocker right. he was. Right, you know, right. he was he was a he, big he was deal, skilled. right? Uh, he was uh, and and that dunk, I think, really put kind of the entire country on notice mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. you know it because I mean, you you guys had had your own struggle your freshman year you guys finished at you know near the bottom of the conference right. you know you were missing a couple pieces yet yet, you, mm-hmm. uh, you know a couple of of good players but mm-hmm. you, you didn't have it all there and no, you know and you, right and then you go and you get to to that that chris mim dunk i i wish I could explain to people kind of what a uh, almost a symbolic dunk that was. It's yeah. not just that it was awesome, right? Chris, I mean, right. you remember what this was like, how much like for us as Iowa State fans, it was like. Mm-hmm. It was almost a, a, a where we turned the corner, right? Mm-hmm. Like we
4: weren't just barely hanging on or we were getting to the cusp and couldn't. It was like, okay, we're finally now going to take over. And that was, that was symbolic of that dunk. Like, okay, we're here. We're going to take it to you. We're done fucking we're around.
2: Not, with this. We're not gonna get. We're not gonna be denied. I, and and you guys are right. At that moment, right then and there, I I knew that it was our time. You know, um, I think I had a string of thirty some games in a row, thirty some points of games in a row, whatever. Which I wasn't focused on. I was just focused on winning. I knew we had Texas a few times. And we had Oklahoma. We had Oklahoma State. You know, we had some tough teams that were we're going to be facing those last couple of games. And, you know, the dunk wasn't playing. Um, I was just in the corner. You faked a couple of times and, you know, the lane opened up. So I was just – I tell people all the time, during that time, I was just playing basketball. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't focus on the NBA. I wouldn't focus on I, – I remember seeing the national trophy uh, – the national championship trophy be, before the, the season started. And I just remember saying, I want that. And that's the only thing that I focused on. Um, And we were just playing basketball and we're trying to win games in a super tough league, because if we would have lost one of those games or two of those games, we would have fallen out of first place because the top was so close during that time. And that was just the main focus.
4: Yeah. That, that same year I have more, I I remember the MIM dunk and, and I, I, Vivid, but I also have this image of you taking over in the Kansas game, and that was when I was like, "Man, I, I, it was one of the greatest things ever was to watch Kansas just get manhandled because I was so
1: <laughs>
4: year after, and I am now. But uh, to to watch somebody just finally just say, you know what, I'm done playing with these people, mm-hmm. we need to put them away it was was great.
2: And that's how it was for, for me, too. I, I used to always have headaches after the game because it it was such a concentration, you know, because, again, people don't understand, like, one or two possessions against teams like that can change the entire ballgame. And so from the, from the start to the finish, we were down in the fourth, and then Mel just something just clicked in his head, and he got a couple steals, and before you know it, where we're tied and going up and then we're tit for tat. And so it's that if this shot doesn't go in and again, um, Chenoweth would guard me seven, one, seven, two, uh, straight up from the heart. I was going glass. I had no idea how I went straight in. <laughs> I couldn't even <laughs> see the <basket>. guys <laughs> I was going glass and, and that's what my eyes was focused on. And somehow it went straight in and I think that thank the heavens that it went in and, the rest is history, um, but it, it's that focus that we had, and, and then it trickled on from, you know, that moment on to you know the next group of players that came in, another group of greats with uh, Rice White and Yang and Monte Moore's and the rest of those guys, Melvin Edge and all the rest of those guys, and 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 it it was it was fun to see. It was fun to see. I won a couple couple uh, dollars off of. Uh, Kirk Heinrich when he and I played together in Chicago, when, <laughs> you know, we won a couple of years after that, but um, you know, it's fun to see. And, and now since I've gotten older, you know, I I just love watching the games, coming home, watching the games and, you know, trying to show, um, you know, my boys, you know, what's, what is like and uh, hopefully they get the chance to, uh, to do the same.
3: So, you, you know, I mentioned having, you know, going from bottom of the conference to top of the conference throughout your career, you also went through a coaching change. You went from the, mm-hmm. the guy who, who brought you to Iowa state to, to someone uh, different, different style, uh, different, you know, from my perspective, I guess it uh, felt like, like played a, a little bit different style of ball, but you know, we're seeing a lot of of coaches already are starting that the hot seat has gotten red hot for a lot of people. We anticipate a whole lot more coming here soon. What's it like as a player to go through a coaching change?
2: Um, It was difficult. You know, it it was extremely difficult. Um, Me and Tim Tim Floyd had a relationship before I got to Iowa State. Um, At that young of an age, I, I don't think you, I don't think I understood like the business aspect of it all. Um. You know, but my focus was – I remember everyone wondering, well, is Pfizer going to transfer? Is he going to transfer? And and that never crossed my mind. You know, I mean, kids do it all the time now. I mean, yeah, I guess it's, it's more readily accept, uh, accepted now. But back then, I I, I, I focused on, you know, um, the commitment that I made to Iowa State, not only to the coaching staff. or the coach that was at the time was Iowa State Cyclones, and that was – you know my goal, goal of bringing you know some sort of championship there, and um, but once Larry came in, you know he he was a lot like Larry, but I mean he was a lot like Tim, but a little bit more intense, <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> a little bit more intense. Um, but you know the same values they had coached together uh, were good friends. Um, I've known each other for years, so the same values were there. It was it was it was a little easier to understand Larry, which, which I was grateful for. Um, it, it, it wasn't that drastic of a change, but he did he did amp it up a lot. And um, the results was, you know, we begin to win a lot
3: more. Mm-hmm. That's uh, something I've, I've always wondered, you know, certainly being there on the outside, I think, yeah, that there was an intensity difference for mm-hmm. sure. I think for us fans to be able to see, I, I think certainly uh, we all kind of have our own, Favorite mid-game uh, Larry <laughs> rampage <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, you guys were in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, I can only I can only imagine what it would have been like uh, in there. Um,
2: but he 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 held, he held us accountable. Like we were we used to have this this breakdown chart that absolutely everybody from the top to the bottom hated. Jamal probably hated it the worst. Um and and it was it was like little things like closing out, you know, to the offensive player with your hand completely in his face. Like he, he, used to say, he used to say little things like like you're you're there, but 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 you're not there. Like if if your hand was almost to his face but not in his face, that was a breakdown. So it was like plus <laughs> minus. Um the way you got back on defense. Um, the way, you know, if you rebounded the ball, if you didn't – if you closed out and didn't say hands off, um, if you didn't help the help or things like that. So, you can uh, – I remember the game against Missouri, Jamal had a triple-double. And his, his, his breakdown plus minus was – he was like in a negative 98 or something <laughs> like that. He was like, how in the hell? You know, and so it, it was that focus thing. Like, we were – we focused on getting a win – we focused on playing well, but then again, the next thing we got into the locker room and Stevie like, man, we got to wait to see what this, this breakdown chart looks like tomorrow because if the breakdown chart was more than negative than it was the positive, then it was punishment that was coming in terms of, you know, running suicides and things like that. So it kept us, you know, focused on not individual accolades, but the things that we had to do to help the team get better and win. And we—that's the only thing that we focus on—and it made us play harder and harder and harder.
4: I think that's probably a testament to what a good coach he was, and, and and we Tim and I talk a lot about fatherhood and stuff like that on this on this show, and what a father would do too. In that he's keeping you humble, and he's yeah. and he's making you work harder and not have a big head, and not and and those are the the keys that lead you to success. I I, I think basketball wise, Coach Eustacey was probably one of the best coaches mm-hmm. that we had there. It, it's a shame that some other things happened. Um yep. but uh, I, I was proud to to see him as coach. And I and frankly, I, I I think he waited way too long to lose his temper in the Michigan State game. Personally, I that should have uh-huh. been
1: <laughs>
4: I really watched some oh, of yeah. that today to prepare to talk to you. And I I we couldn't know that was how offensive <laughs>
1: got
4: called on you and how many. I was like man I can't believe coach Stacey waited till 45 seconds left in this game to get a tactical and lose his
0: mind
2: yeah yeah we knew it was coming eventually eventually um like you said we thought it was gonna come you know a lot sooner but um like you said you know it it, it, it was it was a thing that Larry had about him that made everything um that much easier for us all I mean we were just focused on playing as a team and winning. I, I remember um, the, the, the cover of Sports Illustrated. I think, I think the the actual um, article or the, the book, the magazine, had been out for a while, and I hadn't even seen it. Mm-hmm. Someone said something to me about it in the Big 12 tournament. The Big 12 tournament was the first time that I saw it, and someone said something to me about it, and I literally didn't know what they were speaking of. Sure. Um, and then once I saw the first one, and someone had me had me sign it, I thought it was something that you know, kind of like the NBA store that you can make a jersey with somebody's name and stuff. Right. On it. I mean, it, it just wasn't registering to me. I was just just focused on, you know, we just won the conference. I want to win this conference tournament, and that's the only thing that I was I was focused on doing. And then um, when I started to see more and more of the magazines, and I'm like. You know, because then nobody contacted me about it. I didn't know anything <laughs> about it. And then and then when when I was signing, and people were talking about, you know, it was me and I think a Baylor player on it. And I told him, I said, Well, they're talking about the other guy that's <laughs> so going to be on it and not me. But it, it was it was nothing of that individual accolade that I was focused on, we were focused on. We we're just focusing on winning, and I was man, I was trying to win a national nice championship. It was it was something so close. Like I don't think I've ever been that close at anything in terms of something that I knew in life should have happened. That should have happened.
3: Well, I yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, you saw how easy a road Michigan State had after. <laughs> I mean that that was that was that was the de facto uh, championship game, in my opinion. Right, right. 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 You, you know, that. the 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 committee doesn't always get the seating and the regions right. And that right. one was was a very clear example of that.
2: Well, I mean, to to be in Cleveland in the first round and then in Detroit the second round, yeah, yeah, <laughs> hey.
3: yeah, that, that was not exactly fair by any means. No,
2: right. But, hey, we had fun. At least we lost to the champions. So that's
3: so, right. So, so take me back a little bit. So, Coach Floyd brought you to Ames. How many times Ames. had? You visited Iowa State before before you came. None. No. None. Wow. Uh, none. So, so, what were you? What were your impressions when you got there? Uh, you uh, didn't the come campus? in the winter.
4: You clearly didn't come during the winter. No, <laughs> no.
2: no but I mean, I, I was originally born born and raised in Detroit, so you know the snow isn't something that I shied away from. The, the the thing the thing that really impressed me and got me to watch in Iowa State um, was you know um, the big the Big Eight champions you know Kelvin Cato, mm-hmm. Sean Bankhead Deirdre Willoughby uh, J C Holloway those guys really really impressed me um, as a freshman and in high school when I first met Beverly Floyd and she gave me a a, a media guide you know I, I didn't know I was still, you know, playing quarterback in, in in football. You know, basketball really hadn't stepped into my life like that. So by the time I became a, a senior in high school and, you know, became a basketball star and we got All-American, Iowa State was already in my heart. Um, I had my top five that I was going to choose from, but I think at that moment it had already been determined. And, you know, born to the fact of Iowa State saying, we don't need you here, that's where I was going.
3: Well, we definitely needed you there. I think that yeah. that was about uh, that. obvious.
4: What about uh, what what are some of the things that you fondly recall about Ames that, that you liked so much? Um
2: the, the most fun I probably had was just riding on the side ride. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> you know, um try try, try I want to-, to
4: have my wife Come down here because she told me that everybody that rode the side ride was a nerd. So <laughs> I,
2: I just want I record guess,
4: that Marcus Feige so. rode the side <laughs>
2: ride. Oh, absolutely!
4: Thank you very much, Marcus.
2: <laughs> absolutely. I just I used to have to I used to have to tell professors like, listen, you know, if I miss this one, then the next one is not coming for eight to ten minutes, and I'm gonna be late to practice. So I got to get out of here a little bit earlier and make sure I catch this last one. Um, but I mean, that's you know the, the campus is, is is a lot different than than what it was back then. Now, um, you know, I just live in in large hall. You know, my, my freshman and sophomore year, then my junior moves off campus um, into an apartment. But there, there wasn't much that you know I did, I did. I didn't hang out. I didn't party. I didn't do anything like that. I just you know went home and got rest to to prepare for Larry station the next day. <laughs> Basically.
3: No, we, we actually overlapped at Iowa state. I, I recall, uh, having a class, uh, a lecture that you were in, um, you actually had to put your feet uh, like two rows down. Uh, I, I th- <laughs> think that might've been, uh, Kildee maybe. Um, but, uh, you know, I also no. I, I'm five foot six. I didn't have to do anything
2: like that. Um, oh, no, that, that was never fun going into those lecture halls.
4: <laughs> I, on the other hand, it was five years before that. I graduated in '95. I was okay. I was there during the Fred Hoiberg, Lauren Meyer years. I think I had a class with Lauren Meyer, and I saw him three times. And it was the during the three exams that was the only time I ever saw him. <laughs> <laughs> so, that wasn't
2: American. That wasn't American history, was it?
4: <laughs> no, I think it might have been some psych class or something, psych one hundred one, or I don't know. It was a it was a one hundred level class.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, I had that psych one hundred one class, and I don't think I that went before the, the exams too.
4: So, speaking of of that era and, and 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 Freddie and him coming back to to his alma mater and and mm-hmm. and on, and I remember again, this tells you how much I know. I don't know anything. I was like, we're hiring Fred Hoibergine, coach shit. I like, why are we hiring that guy? Mm. Uh, I quickly ate my words shortly after that. When you saw him come back and so on, did that spark a little bit of interest for you? Cause I know you've hinted around a little bit about what you would love to come back and help the university in some capacity. Is right. that, that spark something for you a little bit?
1: I,
2: absolutely. Um, But what, what everybody needs to, to understand and know that like I, I'm, uh, I've, I've, there's been a, a few doofuses on Twitter and Facebook and everything like that. This, oh, there's
4: this, a more than a few over there, Marcus. Right. About it. <laughs> They're
2: saying that I'm calling for Steve Jobs. Like I've never once said that. Um, I've never once coached um, a high school – I mean, uh, as a head coach of a collegiate team, uh, not looking to coach or be a head coach at a collegiate team. Uh, what my passion is, 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 you know, player development, Uh, recruiting, because I I, I figure this, listen, you know, I'm just speaking to two guys right now. One was in school with me one couple years before. Um, If These guys have kids that are playing basketball and, you know, we're Iowa State fans and I'm in the Midwest and can go to their homes and speak to their kids about, hey, we're looking at you to come to Iowa State to play basketball. I I think that the skills are going to tip a little bit, on our side with Marcus Fizer coming in to speak with the kid and with the family and showing that interest and typically someone else. So if you have me there as a recruiter, you have me there as a player development, you know you're going to have me there as a de facto coach as well because I'm not just not just going to be there, you know, to do one thing and do the other. I'm going to do whatever I can to help the team have success and win. Uh, just like when my oldest son was in high school, I wasn't a head coach. I wasn't, you know, uh, an assistant coach. I'm the guy that's going to come in and, you know, teach different drills and help them have the best um, season in school history there when my son was there and, you know, try to do the things that I can to help um, the, the ball club and the organization. So when, when Fred came back, absolutely. You know, I was, I was extremely excited. I, I played with Fred, um, you know, play, played and, and worked out with him while he was in the NBA and I was still in college. So I've been knowing Fred for some years now, and I was excited to see what he was going to do. Um, When he was there, I was actually still playing. So um, he and I talked a few times about, you know, possibly coming in, but he said that he he wanted to make sure that I was done uh, playing, and and at that time I wasn't done. Uh, Now I'm 42, and I'm extremely done. (laughs) So... (laughs) So um, I mean, I, I I I will be definitely, you know, honored to, in some capacity, be able to come in and and do whatever I can to help.
4: Not trying to it, take any
2: job, anyone's job. Though.
4: When was the last time you were in Ames and, and at, at Hilton?
2: Um, last time I was in Ames, and Hilton was um 2019 for the um the uh, reunion that that uh, Coach Palm does every year. Obviously, we didn't have the one in 2020 because of COVID.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but, yeah, um, what's it, 2019? Yeah. I think it was 2019. Um, but, uh, yeah, I hadn't, hadn't been back for any games because, it's you know, my boys are always playing during the same time. It's kind of like the same situation where, you know, my dad is the avid deer hunter. We have 80 acres of land back home in Louisiana that I've never been deer hunting because – we're always done basketball season mm-hmm. and my dad is such a dear hunter that you know just because of the land belongs to us he's not gonna allow me to walk back there without you know hunter's license and just shoot at something so <laughs> I never had a chance to <laughs> i never <laughs> had a chance to come back because because my boys are always playing so um I'm looking forward to it hopefully this year um hopefully this year that I can sneak Marcus jr down to you know see some games and things like that or you know who knows? Maybe we'll be back in the Midwest. Just don't tell my wife
1: yet. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, well, in, in. in your defense, I, I I will say just from my perspective, because I, I follow you on Twitter, we've interacted a little bit.
3: Um,
4: <laughs> I think that I think that um, you're doing yourself a disservice by not. I I appreciate the fact that you that you said what you said about Coach Prohm because I never believed that, and and I don't and and there was never any inclination that you believed that that you were, that you wanted to take Steve's right. job i think what you wanted to do was exactly what you said it, surely somewhere there's a capacity that Marcus Pfizer is an asset to right. that and i right. had i had a couple conversations with people online that that i just i would say you can't tell me that somebody that had his career and his perspective right. can't bring something to the table whether it's a, a, a low level assistant or something like that, that comes in and, mm-hmm. and is teaching post moves and, and, and talking to parents and, and things like that. You cannot tell me that he doesn't have some value for that. And if you're telling me that, then you're full of shit. So. Oh. Uh, so I mean,
2: to, not be, that, to be not the, not the only All American in school history still to this day mm-hmm. is, is it's, right. it's kind of, it's kind of hurtful, hurtful to me. Um You know, because I think we're definitely worthy. You know, uh, we've seen, you know, lesser programs, lesser schools, lesser, you know, size of schools having down all Americans. And I I personally think if anyone has the ability to land the next one, it's probably the only one that's ever been in school history there.
3: I cannot argue with that at all. Yeah, not at
2: all.
3: Well, I want to take a second here and and switch uh, a little bit to your pro career. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, want to learn a little bit about what draft night was like. When did you know that the Bulls were going to take you? Draft night. Draft night. Okay.
2: Draft night. I I, I didn't work out for the Bulls. Um, I was working in train. I was working out and training in Chicago with Tim Grover. Uh, my agent was out of Chicago. Um, The Bulls had just drafted Elton Brand um, the year before. Mm -hmm. And um, I visited the facility, obviously, because Tim Floyd was the head coach. But but no, draft night. Um, I was either going um, either number two to Vancouver, number three to the Clippers, number five to the Orlando Magic, um, never thought number four to the Chicago Bulls.
3: I I recall that night that a lot of people were wondering if that was going to be a draft and trade because, like you had mentioned, the year before they'd picked up Elton Brand. Right. Um, But I was really excited, certainly selfishly as an Iowa State fan, because I got to see you get reunited with Coach Floyd. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, But I mean, that did, you know, I didn't want to be the young fella that came in and and ruffled feathers and things like that. Sure. Um, we, We expected and waited all night. Uh, my agent, well, my agent at the time, uh, Henry Thomas, uh in peace. He has since passed away. Um, but you know, back back then, it was the green room. We all were in front of the tables, and like the cameras came to your table for the whole shopping hall. You mm-hmm. know, the reveal and everything like that. So we knew who was going next because all of the cameras and lights and stuff was going over to their table. Gotcha. And, and when they came over to my table with the fourth pick and the Bulls was on the clock, my agent was calling Jay Cross like, man, what are y'all doing? Like, <laughs> like, seriously, like when the cameras came up, my agent kind of was under the table and he put the phone down because now we got to, you know, go through the whole process. But we, I mean, we literally had no idea that that was going to happen. Hmm. And I guess the rest
1: is history.
4: Do you think it helped or hurt you that Coach Floyd was already there? Because I feel like maybe there was some expectations, you going there and having a relationship with Floyd, that maybe there was a little bit more pressure on you because of that. It,
2: it wasn't really pressure. It it was – I mean, you got to understand, you know, I was drafted with six, I think five or six other rookies came in that year. Mm-hmm. Um, Elton Brand and Corey Benjamin and um, I forget the other player name. Three other guys was drafted the year before. The oldest guy on the team at the time was Fred Hoiberg. He was 26. You know, I mean, we were terrible. We mm-hmm. were terrible. And, and we were just all young, vying for positions, um, really not listening. You know, half the guys really not listening to, you know, ex-college coach you know, after the dynasty bulls and everything like that. I mean, we just were bad. We were just a terrible ball club. Um, So it, it wasn't really any pressure. It was just all us, us trying to find our independent roles and and values on the team.
3: You know, you mentioned some of the, the, the younger players and continue to, to be younger. I, I've got friends in Chicago that would hate me if I didn't ask a couple questions. I think the first one – um, uh, do you have any good Ron Artest stories?
2: I, I have great Ron Artest stories. Man, man, Ron Artest have been great friends since we were twelve or thirteen years old. I remember when I first got drafted. Um, you know, Ron was one of them. Ron was drafted the year before with El. <laughs> He's the third guy. Um, uh, and I remember some news reporters saying, "You know, you know, you guys are going to get in, and you're going to get to know Elvin. and Ron." I said. We've been knowing each other since we were a kid. Because once you once you get to get to the level of being elite athletes and elite ball players, you know, in the summer, like Mark Marcus Jr., he's playing with guys now that he doesn't see throughout the year. But, you know, once it comes to the All American camp and things like that, they're in the same camp. Sure. So we have been knowing each other for, for years and years. We were on the same down All American team um and all of that. Um the story I will give you
1: though <laughs>
2: is probably probably the best story um you know of run our chest. and this was when he was running our chest. Um something's going on in practice. You know, again, we're losing bad. Bill Cartwright was the coach. And um I don't I don't know if you guys know it's it's this is this like stretch machine. It's like this back back stretcher machine that you it is like a bicycle type thing and like it has handles on it. And the seat you sit on it and you recline back. Now, if, if you don't sit on it properly or whatever, or if you tilt it the wrong way, that seat will fall back like completely by itself and hit the ground. And you know it, it, it's something that you that you sit on and, and it just stretches you out completely. At any rate, this thing literally weighs, I would say, ninety five to hundred pounds. If, if not more, I mean, like, you you literally, you know, you have to drag it, then, you know, picking it up and moving it. And so Bill Conrad kicked him out of practice with something. that Ron was, was, was just really pissed off. And, again, me and Elton have known him for years. And so, like, we know when he's going to snap, when he's going to do this or anything like that. And so, like, Ron left off the court. And that, was, and that stretch machine was sitting beside the court. And so he stopped, <laughs> and me and Elton looked at each other like, what? <laughs> you know, at, at this time, I'm bigger and stronger than Elton. Elton is a little slimmer than me. And so he's like, fine, you got to go get him and hold him. And so <laughs> we was watching him. So he started walking back towards the court. And so he stopped beside the thing. And with this part of his wrist, this part of his wrist, he put his hand up under it and just threw the thing onto the basketball court (laughs) and and, and it bounced a few times and me and Elton looked at each other and like me and him both had to go over and carry it off of the court (laughs) while trying to figure out how in the hell did he just sling this thing all the way onto the court underhanded and he just he stopped and walked off and went chains in the locker room and the whole rest of practice, man, those were just sitting there thinking to myself, how in the hell?" And it was just a normal <laughs> occurrence, like on any given day, you know, of, of Ron Artest. But that's just how – and he has a younger brother named Daniel, uh, Daniel Artest. He has a, has a podcast as well. And, and Daniel was probably two or three times stronger than Ron. and he played basketball too Um, but their whole entire family of the brothers were just super super strong they didn't look like like superhuman strength type people but that story right there when I tell people that story and like if you knew the device you'd be like there's no way in hell that happened Mm -hmm. and we watched it happen
3: I mean, you you saw how uh, the longevity of his career and, you know, how his game changed, certainly. But, you know, he obviously, I don't, I think a lot of other things overshadowed kind of what a physical specimen he was in a lot of ways, too. Right. Yeah. A
2: lot of people thought he was, Yeah, if
3: you look at him, you thought he was
2: 225, 230. Maybe Ron was like 250, 260. Mm -hmm. When When I first got to Chicago, I was 255 and Ron was 260. Oh, wow. I would you not know, guess that at all. Nobody would have guessed that he was. He was literally. I was two fifty five, two fifty seven, and he was two sixty, and 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 it wasn't no you know out of shape two sixty. And people think LeBron is two forty five, two so LeBron about two seventy five, two eighty. Mm-hmm. Come on, he's 6'9", and carrying all this weight and muscle. That, that, people thought Carmelo was about two forty. We're not gonna get into
1: the, the size. <laughs> I personally,
2: I per, I personally feel like Zion Williamson is, but <laughs> you know, it is what it is. When you carry that much muscle, you carry a lot of mass with it,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and he was a lot stronger and a lot more stout than what people thought and understood.
3: Was was that something about the NBA, maybe that that you noticed? I, certainly, the Big Twelve had. You know, we mentioned. Right. People like Chrisman, they certainly had some some physical big guys, but Gabe Uneki, yeah,
2: right. Um, uh, um, Nahara, I hated seeing that guy.
3: Mm. Um, oh, Nahara always bugged me yeah. as a fan. Yeah,
2: he <laughs> <laughs> um, was one, but I mean, yeah, we 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 had some physical guys that that we had to go up
1: against.
3: You had a, a lot of great players. You mentioned uh, you got to have a lot of fun with with uh, Heinrich. Uh, certainly because you guys had gone back and forth. You know, that the, right. big, the Big 12 certainly was getting a lot of guys into the lottery, a lot of first-round picks throughout that time. Uh, who are some of the other players that, that, that you played with that, that you really kind of enjoyed spending time with?
2: Um, Jamal Crawford, of course. When uh, my young guys came in, Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. Um, but but more, more so probably – Charles Oakley and Antonio Davis,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, those are the two guys that really taught me how about how to be a, be pros. Um, I remember walking into the practice facility and and um, you know to work out and train to get my workout sheet. Charles Oakley didn't have a workout sheet because I don't know what you're gonna tell him to do in terms of working out. <laughs> but he's he's standing over there curling 120 pound dumbbells, and I'm thinking, what in the hell have I gotten myself into? <laughs> I'm like legitimately, legitimately trailing 120 pound dumbbells, and so um, you know, just getting close to those guys, learning more, um, you know, the things that I that I needed to do to to try to be successful. Um, should have listened a lot more than than I, I did, you know. Probably when I ran into the injuries and things that I did, and um, had my career go the way that it did, but. Um, I've I've taken a lot of that from what I've learned from that whole experience and um you know teaching it to my friends, and just pretty much going from there.
3: Well you mentioned you know, again a lot of the youth you had Elton Brand mm-hmm. was was a lottery pick, you were a lottery pick, Tyson Chandler was a lottery pick. Uh so J J Jay Williams was a lottery pick, right? Mm-hmm. So uh you know, and then a lot of different people had different things derail their career early. And certainly what happened to, to Jay was was mm-hmm. very... What was it like uh, for you guys when when Jay had his motorcycle accident?
2: Uh, it, it was tough. It was tough because Jay's, Jay's like talent was his speed. Mm-hmm. Like his, his foot quickness, his explosion. Yeah, he can shoot it. Yeah, you can pass it. Yeah, you can get to the basket and everything like that. You can jump but that was his, that was his, his game, that explosion. And, um, you know, he, he tore his knee up pretty bad. He broke his pelvis. He had some, uh, ligament damage in his foot. And once that, once that occurred, you know, it was pretty much, pretty much it. Um, you know, but I, I remember it, you know, like it's yesterday, the day that, you know, it happened, you know, and he was trying to do, I guess you say the right thing. He had, he had, yeah, he had rolled the motorcycle too, to the practice facility, and he was trying not to be like on the freeway. Mm-hmm. And he was just taking like side streets and everything back to his condo. You know that's where the accident occurred. Um, it wasn't like a motorcycle accident or bad thing like that. He was he got off of the the main street, got over like a little bit in, in the side. Uh, the motorcycle hit like some gravels or whatever, and it slid from under. And he put his foot down. And, you know, going at a pretty high rate of speed, not super fast, but putting his foot down, it messed up his foot, his knee, and in his in that pelvic. He uh, broke his pelvis, and, you know, the rest is history. But I, I remember, man, my brother playing video games, and uh, my agent called me or sent me a text message on the Motorola two way pages saying, Jay was just in a, a motorcycle accident. Uh, I you remember, man, I had just told him not to ride the bike to work and, and that happened.
1: So it was, it was real tough.
3: Yeah. I, I think, you know, just thinking about those, those Chicago Bulls teams, certainly you guys had a lot of of challenges coming in that post dynasty period. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard a lot of, I don't know, it seems like some players uh, either loved or hated Jerry Krause, it, I think there was just a whole lot of of, of unrealistic expectations too. That I, I think, unfortunately, there was just so much turmoil in that post Jordan, post Pippen oh. era. That that, that are, it, yeah. I you know I don't know that the that organization is still recovered.
1: Well, I
2: mean, it's hard to recover from a guy named Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yeah, that's You true. know, it does not matter who who you who you uh, draft. I mean, even if you would have drafted LeBron James, you know, it took LeBron some years to get back or to even get Cleveland Mm -hmm. to the level of winning the championship. So um, not only was Mike gone, the whole entire team, the whole entire dynasty was gone. I mean, the next couple of years, the Bulls were in the lottery. So it was tough rebuilding from that. Um, Even those dynasty years didn't. It didn't start off like, you know, the Golden State dynasty years. You know, the, I mean, I think that crept up on us fast through, you know, them getting some players, some players not being selected as high as they thought, you know, of the players' talent were, were going to pan out to be. Um, and then, you know, some free agents and things signing in the rest is history. But, uh, you know, those are some tough years. You know, those are really, really tough years. Like I said, we were young and everybody vying for position. Nobody really listening to the vets that we had on the squad. Um, you know, that at any rate, you know, Fred Holberg was a, a, a good player. He wasn't a, a mega superstar that, you know, anybody would listen to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, as much as I would listen to him being, you know, the big brother from Iowa State and now the big brother on the team is still so much, you know, guys who are lottery picks or picked higher than him were were gonna listen to him. So, um we just had no direction and no leadership.
4: You talk, um, you talked about Golden State and their rise and so on, and, and it's almost like they have kind of revolutionized and changed the way basketball is played now with the three-point shot mm-hmm. and the different offenses and whatever. How, how do you fit – how do you think Marcus Pfizer in his prime would fit in today's type game?
2: Oh, I would destroy the league right now if I was in my prime. <laughs> You know, it's just, I mean, my foot speed, my shooting ability, um, you know, my handle, my strength in terms of a lot, a lot like Julius Randle is, is coming into his own now and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, Draymond is, is, I'm a little bit better shooter than Draymond, I, I feel. Um, but I mean, I, I I think, you know, back then it was more, You know, you had to be 6'10", 6'11", to play the fourth. Now you you got P.J. Tucker, 6'4", 6'5", starting as a center Mm
1: -hmm. in Houston.
2: Not saying that it necessarily works all the time in terms of, you know, winning championship because, you know, they can get get past L.A. with those towers. But, you know, um, and Anthony Davis uh, as a four and five now um, has more success than if Anthony Davis was around during Shaq prime years. You know, it's just, just a total different dynamic, um, and the the way that I mean, the way you the State shoots it, geez. First of all, you got to have people that's making those shots. If those guys are shooting those shots and they weren't going in, then things will be a lot different. But, um, you know, the firepower that they had there was just was too much for anybody to contend with. Um, but it, it, it definitely will be a lot a lot fun to to be able to play, um, in the league now. Um, but I mean. My oldest son, he just turned 23 yesterday. He's a senior in college now. Um, 6'6", right at 6'7". You know, he, he isn't as big as strong as me, but uh, he has a lot of skill. So the way that everything is going now, we definitely think he has a shot of, of being able to have some success and continue to work. And, you know, we'll see what's next with that. So when, I'm excited about that.
3: When did he start beating you in one-on-one? Um, He still can't. <laughs> um, I, from
2: he, he can't because i'm still a better shooter oh, i'm sure. still a better shooter like 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 i i never shot threes like that in college because i really didn't have to mm-hmm. you know we we had shooter Mike never shot enough for us <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else um but once i once i got to the pros um you know i I started shooting a lot more, and then when I ultimately went overseas in the NBA, and the three-point line was a lot closer than the NBA line. I mean, it was almost like a layup. So when I'm playing against my sons now, and we're you know on a high school court, you know that's that's a standard big man jump shot, you know, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I will really have to focus in, get in his head, make him miss a shot, make him miss a shot, and you know, shoot over the top over him or. You know post them up every once in a while to get up a couple of points and things like that. I mean, it's been it's been it's been about a year and a half since we played. Um, it was all last year, you know. They had them quarantined at school where they couldn't leave. Yep. you know. So it's been a while since we played, but um, yeah, I, Marcus Junior. He's he's not. He's not even close yet. <laughs> um, he's 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 six five and one eighty. So he's he's not even close yet. But a Monday motor son, he's six six. And um as long as I can shoot over the top of him and and get in his head and you know not miss a shot, it depends on how many points we go into.
3: You mentioned playing overseas as well. Uh, I do want to ask you a little bit about that. What was that experience like for you?
2: Hard, hardest basketball ever in my life. Hard basketball overseas. Basketball is way harder than the NBA. Way harder. Now, it, now, what way? People, I mean, just how they play. You know, you you got guys that are Ginobili mentality, mm-hmm. um, going hundred miles power. I mean, they shoot down the lane, just driving kick just driving kicks and and it's it's just a fast paced game. Um, They don't call as many fouls, you know, so when you're a bigger and stronger player, they allow the defense to get away with more. Um, I've I've, I've said it to people. I'm not saying that the talent is better. The level of basketball is harder Um, from a small town in Louisiana. And, um, one of the guys that grew up in the area with me, uh, me Paul Millsap, a guy named Vaughn Wafer who played for the Rockets, went to Florida State. Another guy named Bernard Keene who played at uh, you guys remember him from uh, Texas A&M. Yep. Um, his younger brother, uh, Courtney Robson, played for Texas A&M a couple of years later. And um, so we're we're older guys still playing or whatever. And Courtney was was finishing up at Texas A&M. And we were all in the gym working out and training, and and Courtney didn't show up. And so Bernard is his older brother. They had the same father, um, not the same mother. But they have the same father, and um and and so he Bernard's like you know he just think he's gonna go overseas and you know because at, at that time Courtney six nine six ten he's bigger than all of us now, and um he was saying he think he's just gonna go over there and dominate. I remember Von Wafer said he don't want to go overseas, like like. You guys think it's easy and sweeter. Like you don't want that overseas. Like it's just that hard, just that tough. You know, you're over in countries where you're the American import, so you're probably making more money than any of the national players. Um, The national players on those teams, you know, are supposed to be the stars, and they bring you over from the United States, which you have a lot more notoriety, especially if you have some NBA um, pedigree on your resume. You know, so they make it so much tougher. The referees make it so much tougher, um, and so like after a game, that that next day I will literally have to have to take the next day off just to ice and relax and you know recuperate my body um, because it was just that hard. And the NBA money is so much higher. They, you know, people say, well why guys? Why are they scoring so much now and everything like that? Because that's what they got to – pick. that's what people are paying to see, and so they got to protect this investment. You sure. know, uh, I, I told my ACL with the Bulls my first time I told my ACL in January, January 30th of that year, 2003. And by training camp in, in October, I was back 20, you know, seven, eight months later, like 100% back on the court. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have you know, like D Rose, a $200 million Adidas contract, but they gave him two years off. Right. So, because Adidas <laughs> told him, like, listen, you know, I, I know y'all paying them what y'all paying them, but we paying them too. So, we're going to make sure that this knee is okay. You know, IE just down in, in Dallas with New York. You know, he joins ACL, you check ACL and NBA now, it's a minimum 12 months off,
3: minimum that's definitely something that I have noticed is they give people a lot more time. There's not nearly as much of that, uh, you know, let's get back.
2: Let's get yeah, back.
3: Right. You know, right. cause it, it was a lot of like, there was some honor in playing through pain, which to me always seemed like, right. Well, you know, I, I, get that, but it, that right. is, is going to shorten your career overall. And, and, <laughs>
2: <a long> <laughs> yo, I'm telling you, and, and like now I, You know, with these, I I told my ACL three times. With these three ACLs, with my ankles and things like that, like in our home now, we, i say this is probably a 5,500 square foot house. We have 23 steps from the first floor to the bottom floor. How do I know? Because I count every last one of them (laughs) up and down, you know. But I told my wife that the other day, I said, you know, maybe I should have taken more time off in between. I said, but in that era, it was the pride of playing and you wanted to, oh man, you out with a how's your ankle? It's sore as ever, but if I can move and I can jump, I can play through the soreness, you know, and deal with it later. Now it's later and I'm dealing with it, you know, but I I, I remember D. Rose saying, you know, I, I want to be able to play with my son, you know, once I retire And people, you know, gave him a lot of flack behind it, but I I definitely see and understand where he's coming from
3: now. You know, that's That's like you know, different sport. But you see all the flack that Andrew Luck got when he said, "Hey, I made enough money, I quit. My body doesn't need this abuse anymore." That's certainly something that I that you know, I turned forty and suddenly I was dreaming of a house that didn't have stairs. Oh my god! So I I get that perspective now of of not just protecting. Uh, your future investment, just but just your ability to walk around comfortably.
2: That's what I'm dealing with now, and like I said, I, I I know every one of these steps that we got in this house because I count them. I tell my wife, like when we bought this house, I was thinking, thinking to myself man, I hope that master Bear room was on the first floor. <laughs> and it wasn't, and, you know, and, and it, and there's it is. And
4: there's plenty of ranch style houses with no stairs here in Iowa. When back.
2: <laughs> That's what I prefer.
4: Although I recommend <laughs> I mean, keeping the house in Nevada during the winter.
2: We, well, my, my wife, my wife, literally, my wife is from Chicago and, uh, like she, she literally does not want to come back. Um, I mean, she she told me like, like if you if you do get an opportunity at Iowa State or whatever, go back to the Midwest. she's that hey, It's gonna be like you were when you were playing overseas, and we stayed at home. So I'll stay here with the girls, <laughs> and you go do what you gotta do. And we have this. I mean, because when I was overseas, like I was literally gone, you know, eight to. Ten months out of the year and didn't come home. So, you know, being in the United States, that'd be a lot easier. But we'll see. Um, you know, my my oldest son. Um, you know, he's a senior. He's uh, about to be the player of the year, and he's at he's at the D two uh, Fresno Pacific, about to be the player of the year in there that conference. Um, getting a year back. So we'll see. Um, you know if. If Steve's, see, want to want to talk about possibly you know bringing them over or, you know, Marcus Marcus Jr. that's a sophomore in high school, you know we got Ames Eye around there that's, right? You know <laughs> hey, I'd hey. be all right. all right. They don't really right. have a
4: choice, do they, Marcus? That was, that's what right. I told my daughter when we went on college <laughs> campus tours. We went to Iowa State and then she wanted uh-huh. to, go to the University of Iowa and tour that, and I was like, I'll take you, but we, we didn't make that tour. She's like uh, <laughs> made the Iowa state tour. And she's like, I'm sold. And I was like, that's right. I was like, I'd have took you, but I'd have wrote the check with my Iowa state alumni tuition check. That's
3: what. I've done. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my dad told me that I could go to any college I wanted at Iowa state.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. But I mean, who we'll is he? I mean, you know, um, I, I love the Midwest. I, I definitely love the school and, and we will be able to, you know, endure whatever I have to endure. It's not like it's going to kill me. I uh, was there for three years in, in college. So um, as an adult.
4: It wasn't like Siberia because that's what Tom Herman said. Tom Herman yeah. said, <laughs> like Siberia. Uh,
2: no, Chicago, Chicago probably was, was worse, you know, with, the lake effect snow and everything coming off the lake here, and we 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 lived in the, the north suburbs, like right off the lake, so that was extremely cold, extremely cold.
4: Was it more? Was it uh, was it a little bit of a culture shock coming back coming here from from Louisiana? Though, what was the biggest adjustment for you?
2: no nah, I mean probably the big, biggest adjustment was being readjusted to the cold. Um, you know, I love Detroit my freshman year in high school, so in the last four years in high school, um, you know, I was I was there. But, you know, other than that, I like I literally it, – it was nothing of the coach. I, I was focused on school and basketball. You know, that was my – that was my reasoning for being at Iowa State. Um, I could count on probably one finger the number of parties that I went to you know, at, at the student union, you know, it, it just wasn't nothing. It was just nothing of that for me. I was, I was so afraid of the stories of what they tell you about being an athlete coming to school that I just didn't, I just didn't focus on any of that. And then my sophomore year when we had the the Larry Eustace show going on there, it was nothing, but, you know, going to school, going to, practice and focus on getting your rest and doing it the next day.
4: What was it like playing with Jamal Tinsley?
2: Probably the easiest thing. Ever. <laughs> the, 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 the the only thing about Mel was you just have to be cautious of him hitting you in the face with the ball, which <laughs> I guess necessarily wasn't a bad thing, but um, there there would be I'm I'm probably about ninety five percent sure that there wouldn't be the season that we have or the Marcus Pfizer legacy without Jamal Tibbs. There's there's no doubt about that. Like he he put the ball. All I had to do was get the rebound. of Stevie or Paul or Martin get the rebound and just go, just go, and just run. And I knew whenever I I didn't have to <clears throat> sit and wait and beg for the ball. I knew whenever that position of openness came, the ball was going to be there. Um, and I, I can remember times like literally running down the court so fast and not even looking at him and just filling the ball, just mm-hmm. pass right, and just putting my hand up, grabbing it, and and finish. So that uh, – without him, definitely.
4: And then the next year when, when you were gone and the ending in that NCAA right. tournament, that had had that. Did you feel a little sad that you that you weren't there to help them, or, or were you just?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, know I,
4: I was. I was really sad
2: you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, I I end up leaving. Uh, you know, not uh, to the chase the riches or anything like that. Like my parents, my parents' house burned out, and you know, all of our possessions and everything that we had uh, were lost. And, you know, after the tournament was over, I, I I remember sitting on on the couch just thinking to myself, like, how depressed I was to the fact of, you know, we were done. And uh, we lost the way that we lost. I don't think I went to class for the next couple of days, just just trying to get my mental back. Um, but, but literally thinking about, you, you know, I, I know people are whispering about the NBA, but damn, I, I really wanted to, and we're all, you know, have the chance of coming back. And about 20 minutes later, I got a phone call, you know, from my my mom and dad, you know, telling me that the house burned down in February. Oh. And they hadn't even told me. Oh, wow. <clears throat> you now we're, we're sitting in the middle of March. Oh, wow. Know. And so then I, I called Coach Eustachian, um, you know, the rest is history for me. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, where's excuse me? Where's London? Okay, we'll shut the door. Yeah, I supposed to be going to the grocery store. Girl, I Forgot about that. Should me okay. guys. It's, no, it's, it's so, so nice to know,
4: know that Marcus Pfizer has wife duties and and to do Oh, that.
2: absolutely <laughs> absolutely like a regular person. Four, Marcus, <laughs> 20, we we've been together for twenty years. Twenty wow. years, matter two days after I was drafted. Oh, wow. Wow. She's still around. <laughs> 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 yeah, normal guy, normal person, just a dad, just trying to survive and live like everybody else.
4: Well, let, let me ask you this. How how crazy do you think it's going to be in September when Cyclone Nation invades Vegas down there for that UNLV? Football? Oh, God.
2: Because oh, that's it's, it's... all that's
4: going on in Twitter right now. I mean, there's no basketball really to watch,
2: so everybody's planning mm-hmm. their trips to Vegas. Right, right, and rest assured, I will be there. Definitely will be there. Um, that's what I was like. What, wait a minute, what are you guys talking about? Football game? when it getting flights to Vegas, and I definitely will be there. And I'm with the, with the team that we're gonna have. The team coming back. Uh, Bryce Hall is definitely gonna be have that chip on his shoulder that he should have. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna be there. Screaming like a little (laughs) chili.
4: Well, you know, when, when you had talked about after that, after that Michigan state game and how you're, you know, you were all ready to come back and whatever you can see now with that football team Mm -hmm. this year with all those guys eligible to come back, why they want to come back and finish something
2: to that. So it's a little different at Iowa state. Um, You know, yeah, it, it, if the pros is there and everything like that, everybody's definitely, you know, considering taking care of their family and having that security and everything. But it's just, you know, I mean, there's, I guess, I guess the, the Iowa the G League team is that is the G League team still there?
4: Yeah. And I well, it's not here this year. They're playing all remotely, I guess. But okay, yeah, but but I mean, Wiginton that's, that's the newest. Wigan team was
2: playing, newest, last year. Was playing newest, last year. like biggest thing in terms of uh, pro sports is really going there. So, so they definitely, you know, flood the Hilton Coliseum and Iowa City and everywhere else when it's time to uh, root for the collegiate sports. And, you know, it's something that we definitely don't take for granted. Um, not at all. he Magic imagine something that I wasn't prepared for. Uh, something I definitely have never gotten over and, is that something I don't
1: understand?
3: Yeah, I mean, growing up with with Hilton Magic, growing up during the, the Johnny Orr years and seeing the, the birth of Hilton Magic, it was just really something completely different to be there in the late <laughs> 90s, early 2000s, and see really how much that that place has exploded. And then to, you know, I, I was at the the game when Nas Long hit a long three to tie it against so Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. back what was that 2014 or whatever mm-hmm. um, and even then just hearing uh, the sound and the noise and feeling the vibration of that yes. building yes. Um, it, it's really just something I, I, I don't think you can you can understand unless you experience it
2: unless you experience it absolutely um, the, the last year when we we beat I and on that dunk that I had where I just took out running and Jamal through the <laughs> through the pads and it was right there. I, I I tell people like I I don't know if it's a scientific fact of how loud does it have to be to break the sound barrier, but I I remember dunking. And when I dunked it, like I could feel everything just it got silent. And so it, like it started with me. I stopped and and then I felt the vibration and then everything just like a gush of wind just rushed up with the sound and everything came back and then it it almost felt like I was deaf and then everything just all at once just came back and it was just this loud whoosh and the crowd was just moving and I remember going over to the bench thinking to myself like what in the hell was that (laughs) (laughs) you know I like literally that's that's one of the moments because I mean like if if you know, if you woke up and you couldn't see and everything was dark, you thought you were blind, or you see people's mouths moving and you're not hearing anything, you think you're deaf is like a start on a thing. And that happened. I was saying to myself, like, did I lose hearing for a second or what?
3: And but then
2: I just realized it's, it's all these crazies here going wild. I knew we weren't losing that game then.
3: I personally like to think that as a fan, I get to take some credit for all of those wins just by, by being a lot of, so, uh, right. I, I'm, I'm going to take credit for it. I think Chris, <laughs> is that fair? That's fair. I think, <laughs> oh, fair. I well, think I, if fans I, was I've there I've only now, been to three
4: games in Hilton and we lost all three of them. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think if the fans was there now, I don't think we would be all four. No, 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 not at all. No, I, no. I think there's, this there's, there's a lot more that goes into that just with the, adrenaline and everything that's just that we're just missing out on right
4: now there's there's just something uh along with covid i there's just something mm-hmm. missing right now that we need to get back to and in, in the spirit mm-hmm. of, of hilton and and Iowa State men's basketball and i and i and i mean that as a fan and i mean mm-hmm. that as a, as a fan of steve chrome as coach from right. i think he's a, right. a wonderful man um but we're missing something. We're missing something. And it's a shame.
2: Yeah, It is. It definitely is. And, hey, I mean, me and Steve talk from time to time, um, you know, about different things that's going on. I know it's been a tough year, but I'm definitely open to, you know, if it's it's a special assistant to the head coach or you can call me the janitor. I'm going to get to that floor. To help these guys, you know, do something, you know, because uh, we we got to develop the players a little bit better. I, right? you know, if, if 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 Big George don't do nothing but take one drop step and a jump hook, you know, the NBA all-time leading scorer did that and nobody could stop it. You know, let's find out something that's going to work. Um, you know, we're we in we're in a three happy no error and everything like that well okay well if they're going to put up the threes then we're going to crash this board a lot harder you know we we wanted to have more offensive rebounds than the defense i mean than the opponent opponents had total rebounds Mm -hmm. and we wanted to make more free throws than the opponents attempted that was the two things that larry station said we absolutely had to do um and i remember you know, last year we, we played down in Texas Tech. I, I think we didn't even give them an offensive rebound the whole entire game,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, because we were just that relentless. So, this is what we got to do. This is what we came here to do. This is what we came for. And, you know, we you're going to have to take us into three overtimes, Oklahoma, at your home to, to beat us. You know, um, that's how focused and how forceful we were.
4: It's a tone setter, I, I think, personally. I. I think that's part of what we're missing is, is is exerting our will and, and, and a tone setting that we have. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I rewatched uh, that 2000 uh, the Michigan state game today. And I think we, it, about the eight or nine minute Mark left, you guys were, uh, you had 12 offensive rebounds, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. those guys. And Michigan state was leading the league and leading the country in, in rebounds at that time. I mean, you guys had taken it to him and it, and it set, a tone that—that's what we were gonna do, and we were gonna take it to you. So, uh, I mean, I, we just need something different for, for sure. So, and that's that's purely from a fifty-year-old non-athletic fan <laughs> uh, perspective. Right.
2: Hey, so from 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 a forty-two-year-old ex-athletic <laughs> now fan, um you know, has been through it all, and and I see it, and, and I totally agree. And, and like I said, if if it's just getting a flavor of foul or or you know an offensive foul that I know. I I teach I teach my, my kids now and I and I tell them, I say, you know, on a lot of my moves aren't moves to score. There aren't moves like going anyone going anywhere in particular, but I know if I do this hard, it's gonna get this reaction from the opponent and it's probably gonna be a defensive foul. Like I had nowhere to go, but it's set the tone of how hard they're going to, to play against me and it, it, it sets the tone of how the referee's going to call the fouls and it lets me know what I'm going to do this way or that way. It's, it's, it's just the tone setting. You you know, sometimes you luck out or something happens from it or, you know, I find Mike in the corner just standing over there like he always stands over there and he knocks down the three. But majority of the time, like, it wasn't no go-to moves. It was let me figure out what they're going to allow me to do or what they're going to try to stop me from and counter off of it. Like, if it's, you know, we, we run into set play and screen the road, like, that's too easy to to figure out. Like, get that ball up there, go get it. If you don't go get it, get back and get it back from it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just that simple. And, I mean, it should be that simple with the talent and, and the players that we've had there. I'm excited to see what Big Foster are going to
3: do. Yeah, absolutely. It's – it- it's been, you know, frustrating that he's he's gone through that, but you know, like we talked about earlier, giving guys time to recover from things is is absolutely important.
1: Mm-hmm. I
3: watched him uh, a couple times
4: in high school. He, his high school is about thirty miles south of where I live, um, and he played here in Norwalk against Bowen Bourne, who uh, is a Norwalk kid, Mike Bourne's son, uh, that played for Iowa. Oh, State. sure, and sure, yeah, he, uh, NBC... MVC freshman of the year up there, which again, I would have loved to have seen him go to Iowa state, but I saw a few games uh, of them playing and, and that foster kid is, is legit. It's a shame that he got hurt. Um, and, and, and that season was kind of wasted for him, but I'm excited to see where we can go with it for sure. I think right. we're going to count on that team, um, but we'll see. All I know is, is my Iowa state basketball flag still flying until tomorrow. And if we win tomorrow, it'll still be flying. From what I understand, it's a lot harder to beat a team three times in a in a season. So I think our odds are pretty good. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. (laughs) 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 No no one's gonna be able to beat us three times. So (laughs) Um, all
4: part of their secret plan.
2: It starts tomorrow.
4: Yeah, it's tomorrow night or uh, Wednesday night. I'm sorry,
2: Wednesday Wednesday night. night.
1: Wednesday.
2: Wednesday night. You 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 got you got me trying to set my well, I don't guess it's TV anymore. But. <laughs> that's right. <I'm,
4: laughs> I say, I I'll tell my kids I'm gonna tape something and they'll look at me like, "What the hell are you talking about, Dad?" <laughs> whatever, whatever. You know what I'm talking about.
2: You guys remember the 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 big uh, Sony Vega TVs? Oh yeah, the big. You know, those were like the first super flat screens, but it wasn't like a plasma screen or whatever. And um. Like, we had some, like, uh, <clears throat> Marcus Jr., 16 now, just turned 17. And, and we had some pictures from when he was a baby. Um, He was born in '03, And so we had all those TVs around. And, like, he saw some of the pictures. And you can, he see us playing video games. And he said, what's that thing on the back of the TV? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> as, a, as a part of the TV. So, <laughs> like, like, no, game, no it flat screen TVs and things like that. Like it was funny that you mentioned that because we laugh all the time about stuff like that. They only know like iPads and stuff. When you say tape it, they have no idea what you're talking about.
1: Yep.
4: Well, Marcus, I I just, this was wonderful. I, I, Tim and I appreciate it so much for coming on and, and, uh, and, and talking to two lowly Iowa state guys that, you know, you don't know. And, and I apologize for bombarding you for the last month. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, I mean I, just I mean anytime just can continue to do that. Like, you know, I I hop on Twitter. Um, I you know, I run uh Marcus Juniors account and stuff like that. So like I'm I bounce back and forth through the accounts and then um with our businesses and stuff that we have, I have some accounts with that. So sometimes I just forget, sometimes I just put the phone down. Sometimes I'm traveling and doing whatever, and just you know, don't get back to the phone or anything like that. But um, shoot me a text out. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys have my cell phone. You could call or shoot me a text anytime as well. You know, like you said, I anywhere. Mean, we all same normal type guys. I you know, people. I think people on Twitter. You know, I guess more um, make a bigger deal of me than I make of myself. ain't. You probably got time you know we you know we, we drive normal cars we got volkswagen Poseidon we also got the volkswagen minivan you know i, I drive a minivan you know because because we you all have no idea how much you and i are just alike marcus yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, come, on now. come on now 40 miles to for the gallon I'm, uh, i'll take it anytime any day you know it's just you you never thought in your 20s like you be you know doing things saying things like that but I mean, that's just how I am. You know, I, I flew to flew to Dallas last weekend My um, back home and, you know, was going to rent a car, and my uncle lives in Dallas. And, you know, he said, well, you know, I'm heading over to home. You know, won't you just ride down with me? So I, I just rode down with him, spent four days down there and, you know, didn't have a car, just spent time on my parents' house. My parents got a car there and, you know, just hung around. And when it was time to go back, I just rode back over to Dallas with him because, you know, it's cheaper to find a flight into Dallas than it is, you know, uh, 40 minutes away from my house in Louisiana in Shreveport. So, sure, you know, I, I'm just a normal guy. I try to find the cheapest flights and don't fly first class. I ain't got time for none of that, man. These these bills are high enough when we go from there. <laughs> hey, we're,
4: we're coming to – my wife and I're coming to Vegas for that game in, in September, and we were searching for flights, and I was like, well, we can take this one at 4 o'clock. We'll go to Charlotte and then we'll turn around and go to Vegas, but it's a lot cheaper, and we're like, we'll take it. So no, we'll take
2: absolutely, absolutely. Matter of fact, I, I I left a day later, and believe it or not, like my round trip flight from here to Dallas and back was eighty nine bucks. Eighty nine bucks. If I if I flew down and and came back on Saturday night instead of Friday night, like. Come on now. Yeah. Right. You know, three 329 versus 89 bucks. Yeah, give me 89 bucks. For. Yep. And we're gonna let that live. So uh like I said, anytime, fellas, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um anytime you need anything from me, you know where to hit me and where to find me. And um, I look forward to us winning Wednesday and turning this thing around, hopefully.
3: Yeah, that that would be fantastic.
1: Right.
3: Yeah. You know, Marcus, I'm going to let you have the last word. What Chris and I like to do on this podcast is always try to end on on an upbeat, positive, maybe Mm -hmm. lessons learned, the the, fatherly advice. We like to. Yeah, we like to think that we know everything and we can give people kind of some fatherly advice or whatever. But if there was something that that you could tell uh, some some high school and college players today. You know, just a quick little thing that you would tell them, a little piece of advice. What do you think that would be?
2: Um, don't focus on the rankings.
3: Not, not at all. Um, don't focus on that at all. Focus
2: on what you got to do first and foremost to be the best student athlete because the student comes before the athlete. Um, so you definitely have to make sure that you have the grades and everything is in order. Um, listen to your parents. I'm 42 years old and just back at my parents' house over the weekend. And if my mom and my dad told me not to do something, I did not do it um, <laughs> to this day. Um, so I respect your elders, respect your parents and, and work on your craft, work on your, your negatives, not your positives. You know, everybody want to do the things that they're good at. Nobody want to do the things that they're bad at. You know, that's the best thing that Kobe That's the one thing to make Kobe such a phenomenal player. Uh, I remember coming out to the court, and literally seeing his man jab step and pump fake for an entire hour before he took a shot. I'm talking about drenched (laughs) from jab fakes and and pump fakes, jab fakes and pump fakes. And we got in the game and we were in the lane and he pump faked me seven times. And I turned and said to the referee, there's no way there's not a three second. And he scored the ball. <laughs>
1: because I'm talking to the right week. How does he pump fake seven times and not three seconds? Call
2: so it, it's just, it was a negative to him. So he worked and made it a positive. So work on your work on your negatives to get better. Your positives are going to be there um, when you need them at, at always. And uh, you know, work and focus on what you got to do to make yourself better and the team better.
3: Well, perfect, perfect. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Do you have anything else?
2: Nope.
4: Not at all. Uh again, appreciate the time Marcus. Uh Loyal Sons Forever True Go Cyclones. Absolutely. And uh you take care.
3: You too, brothers. Yep. Right, take
2: care. Thank you. Yep. How we go.
3: Well, that was fantastic. I man, I, I don't even I don't even know uh what to say. I just really appreciate that he he took the time out to talk with us. He's a very genuine person and I think that that definitely comes across. Uh, and man, I, I know that that man still bleeds Cardinal in gold and that's fantastic to, to see. No doubt.
4: no doubt. And you can tell his love, uh, for the, for the game and, and for, uh, what it brings good and bad. Right. Uh, yep. which was kind of inspiring to listen to. And, um, I, I think, you know, good things are ahead for, for him and, and for all of us and, and, you know, what a, what a treat to be able to talk to somebody that's had highs and lows and, uh, and to see somebody so well grounded and, and have good values and good, uh, perspective on life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. Wonderful. Well, Tim, it's almost like we know what we're doing around here.
3: Every once in a while, it kind of feels like we have We've got some people fooled anyway, but right, that, that is fantastic. Um, well, thank you all for joining us on this special edition of old man strength. We want to encourage you to check out the tailgate society at the tailgate society.com for a whole bunch of great content on not just sports, pop culture, politics, anything going on in the world today, food. We talk about food. Our Munch Madness Bracket should be coming out here pretty soon, which is an annual thing that we do. So please go ahead and check that out. All the other Tailgate Society podcasts, which too many to name, but a lot of great content coming out from a lot of great people there as well. You can go ahead and find us on Twitter at strength underscore old. You can find me at Tim Johnson MN. Chris is Cy grad, Cy dad. Yes, sir. Hey, I got it right this time, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is fantastic. And, of course, please go ahead and give Marcus a follow as well. He shares a lot of great wisdom. Uh, He does interact with people. And uh, as you could hear from this evening, he is a very genuine guy. So we appreciate that. I think that's all we have. So with that, we will see you guys next time. I don't want to get on the
0: bandwagon I'll burn that wagon down and join the band Traveling troubadours, terrorizing street corners Just to try to get some supper in our hands Now i waited all my life to get this Off my chest green buddy murder until someone understands That it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women I make this noise just because I can And we'll all join in That original sin